Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here at News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Nasty winter weather expected for New Year's Eve. Gas prices are on their way back up. Details coming up in one minute. And I want to talk about what I believe the left gets wrong about tax cuts. That's coming up next. 601 on News Radio 1025, and a pair of storm systems may try and come together for New Year's and pound the East Coast with more snow and icy conditions. Forecasters say one storm is expected to sweep across the Midwest with snow, another is projected to move north after bringing icy precipitation to parts of the South. The Midwest may experience some travel delays before the end of the week, so if you are traveling, through between now and the end of the weekend, just keep an eye on your flight schedule for any delays or cancellations. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. AAA says the statewide average price for a gallon of gas is up two cents since just yesterday. It's now two thirty-seven a gallon. GasBuddy.com senior petroleum analyst Patrick DeHaan says they do expect pump prices to go even higher as we get into 2018, but it's not going to be a budget buster we probably will be paying somewhere in the mid to upper $2 a gallon range eventually come next summer. But don't expect any prices over $3 unless there are some unforeseen issues that arise. Surging oil prices are behind the increase. They've spiked to their highest level since June of 2015. The average in Orlando right now, two thirty-one a gallon. Orlando International Airport is setting a record for the number of guns intercepted at security checkpoints this year. The latest incident happened just yesterday morning when a passenger showed up with a loaded gun in a carry-on bag. The Transportation Security Administration says the weapon was a Ruger with a magazine loaded with 10 rounds of 22 caliber ammunition. It was the 91st weapon TSA officers intercepted at OIA this year. That's five more than last year. Passenger had a valid Florida concealed weapons license, but... Orlando police say they will file charges for carrying a concealed firearm in a place prohibited by law. Yeah, and that's something I'm going to talk about in the 7 o'clock hour because the procedure that TSA has to do when something like that happens just doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) It just seems like it makes things so much worse because they had to freeze that line. Right, yeah, it slowed down everything yesterday on a really really busy day. Which slowed down everything. So I want to talk about that and some of the security, how it's done in Orlando International. It's something I've been thinking about because I recently flew out of Orlando International. Okay. And it's very different than how they did it in Dallas, which I went to. So we'll talk about that in the 7 o'clock hour. All right. We'll look forward to that, Mike. A boy is dead and a suspect is on the loose after a hit-and-run crash near SeaWorld. Florida Highway Patrol says a 12-year-old Sebastian Duke of Orlando was crossing International Drive near Westwood Boulevard on his bike around 7.15 last night when a gray 2005 Ford Focus with Ohio tags hit him. Sebastian was taken to Arnold Palmer Hospital for children, where he was pronounced dead. Florida Highway Patrol says the driver fled the scene on foot. This is the 11th fatal hit-and-run that the Highway Patrol has investigated in Orange County this year, and the 100th statewide. Another recent accident has state troopers recommending a driver get retested for his license, It happened after 82-year-old Ronald Morgan slammed his car into the Merritt Island Post Office yesterday morning. Troopers say he was trying to press the brake, but instead hit the gas, sent the car into the building on Crockett Boulevard. A window was damaged, but fortunately no one was hurt. 
we hear too many cases of that, especially when it's someone who's a little bit up there in age and they, they accidentally push the wrong pedal. So I agree with them. I think this person should be retested. <laughs> people have been saying that for years, that we should tweak our driver license testing yeah. for people as they age. Yeah, it's something we've talked about on this show before. Yeah, the older you get, maybe they should be retested more often. And it should be in a broad a broad thing, not just for like just one person, like in this case. Right. So, yeah, interesting debate. Definitely. WFLA News Time now, 6.06. You can read about a homeowner who got some creative revenge on a real live Grinch right now at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. A homeowner who got some revenge on a real-life Grinch. That's that's what you say. I'm guessing it has something to do with someone trying to steal their stuff. Maybe it was like, was it like Home Alone? Where <laughs> Shouldn't everything be like Home Alone? <laughs> yeah, Kevin McAllister, you know, has all these pranks. I watched that recently. Such a good movie. I know, it's completely off topic. So, yeah, <laughs> check out that story. It's on the website. Like you said, uh, yeah, this is Yaffe filling in for Bud here on uh, Good Morning Orlando. And uh, that was Tom Alexander, who's filling in for Deb this week with the news. We have Mr. Michael Formasano, who is producing this week. So how's it going, Mike? It's going well. How about you, Mike? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just uh, it's the millennial takeover. Yes, it is. As we... As we said, Tom always laughs when I say that. It's true. You're you're, you're like the old one now. Tom. I'm the I'm... oldest person on the show this morning, which is, <laughs> is, is I've never little... had that happen, and it's it's so, uncomfortable. I, I'm just glad you're here because if you were not here, then I would be the oldest, <laughs> and I'm just not. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do with that. I'm just. I'm not used to having to be the adult in the room. This is not. Yeah, good. you have to control us. <laughs> young young hooligans here. And then we have Stephanie screening your calls at 407-916-5400. You can also text to 23680. We have a lot of stuff to talk about in the show today. A big topic on yesterday's show, if you were listening when I was hosting, was the tax cut bill. The Republicans, Trump signed it as well, passed tax cuts. And the Democrat line against it has been pretty consistent. And I want to talk about specifically why they're wrong. There's something that they keep saying when it comes to tax cuts that it, you might think it's just a small thing, but it's really crucial. And it really shows the difference in philosophy between, say, people like me, a conservative, and the left. It's a crucial point. I'm going to point it out in the next segment, and we have a lot more to get to of course, we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes as well. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yes, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back after the new year. It's almost become kind of a tradition for me to host the week after Christmas. I've been doing it for the past few years now, and I'm happy to do it. So, And, we, and there's plenty of things to talk about, so, so we'll get right into it. By the way, if you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, you are welcome to do that. Search Michael Yaffe. Send me a friend request. I will accept it. You can also follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. Of course, that's named after my show, Beyond Reason Radio, which plays uh, some evenings here on WFLA. So yesterday we talked about in pretty good detail the tax cut bill that the Republicans passed. Another thing that we talked about, though, 
is the Democrat response to it, which is very interesting and it's very telling and it shows their different philosophy on taxes, basically, on how the government works, basically, as well. And this is a crucial point because the Democrats, what they're trying to do to get people to hate the tax cut bill is they want you to be jealous that the rich are getting a lot back. And when I say a lot back, they're really getting to keep more of their own money. And they want you to believe that because you're in the middle class or lower class, you're getting a raw deal. Because while this is just for the rich and corporations, it's not for you. Of course, when you look at the actual number, it's class warfare stuff, is what, the, and they always do this. But when you look at the actual numbers, you realize you're not getting a raw deal because the rich are paying the majority of the taxes in this country. And it's by a lot. I mean, the bottom 40% barely pays any federal income taxes. And a lot of them get more benefits back than they pay in. So when you look at the actual numbers, it's not true. The middle class are not getting soaked to line the pockets of the rich. But that's what the Democrats keep wanting you to believe. Now, one of the problems with this tax cut bill that the Democrats have pointed out, which is almost hilarious to me, is it could increase the debt because they're not getting as much revenue in. And of course, the Democrats are not going to want to stop spending. So it, it could increase the debt. But I want you to listen to a couple of Democrats talk about this last week because they were trying to avoid a government shutdown. And they did. They passed a stop measure in the Senate and the House that basically funds the government through the middle of January. But when you listen to what the Democrats say here, their attitude about who, you know, your money, the money that belongs to you, they don't believe that it really belongs to you. They believe it belongs to the government. What do I mean by that? Well, I want you to listen. Nancy Pelosi last week, she did a press conference after the tax cut bill was about to be passed, and she did a press conference talking about avoiding a government shutdown. And this is what she said, and there's, there's a couple things here that she says that are crucially important to understanding their mindset and why I believe it's wrong. Let's listen to Nancy Pelosi. Republicans only care about the deficit. You know, whatever happened, I say it over and over, the poor deficit hawk, it's become, if not an endangered species, extinct. Because the Republicans only seem to care about uh, the deficit when it comes time to invest in people, not when it comes time to give giveaways to corporate America and to the wealthiest. That's okay. So one, a couple things she said there. One, she's talking about what happened to the deficit hawk. I mean, really, Nancy Pelosi, now you care about the debt and deficits? You've never cared about it before. You've always wanted to totally increase spending from the government. So then now all of a sudden they care it's kind of laughable. But she said, notice one thing she said there. The Republicans care more about giveaways to corporations and the wealthy. That keyword giveaways. They believe that corporations or the wealthy or the individual, even if they have a lot of money, by them being able to keep more of their own money, because that's all it is. They're able to keep more of their own money. It's their money. It's their property. But because they're allowed to keep more of their own money now, that's considered a giveaway. That the government is 
giving them something. The government is handing them something. No, that's not what's happening. It doesn't belong to the government first. It belongs to that person first or it belongs to that business first. It's not that the government's giving them something, giving away something. It's merely that the government is allowing them to keep more of their own money. And this point was also made by another uh, Democrat, Representative John Garamendi, who is out of the 3rd District of California. I happened to find this cut. He was on the Dana Perina show on Fox News last week, and he made a similar point to Nancy Pelosi. This is what he said. Um, From your perspective, and you're looking at transportation and infrastructure, how are you? How is the Congress going to find the money to try to do something big next year, given no. that we just did the tax cut? I, I'm reminded of that money, that movie, Show Me the Money. Mm-hmm. It's gone. You just gave the money to the top one percent of Americans. Eighty-three percent. Well, there's of course there's disputes about that, dollars. but. No, that's a fact. Eighty-three percent of it went to corporations and the one percent. So it's gone. Whether it went there or anyplace else, it is gone. So how do we fund infrastructure? Yeah. Big, big problem. We won't be able to do it. And at the same time, you've got the military, the demands for the military. So he obviously wants the government to have more money so they can spend on infrastructure, even though we apparently, I thought we just spent a a trillion dollars on infrastructure under Obama. Of course, they want to do that again. They want to spend money here. But notice what he said. He said they gave it away to the wealthy. No, they didn't give it away to them. It was their money to begin with. They're just allowing them to keep more of their own dollars. But see, to the mind of the left and a Democrat, they believe that that money belongs to the state, that it belongs to the government, that the country is much better if the government runs these things. And I think that's where they get it wrong. Our country is much more prosperous, much more successful because of private enterprise and business and the individual being able to keep more of their own money. Just because Republicans want individuals to keep more of their own money or corporations to keep more of their own money doesn't mean they don't want to invest in our future or they don't believe in people. No, they just don't believe that the government is better able to handle it than the private sector. 407-916-5400, text to 23680. I'm going to talk more about this and take your calls and texts as well. It's 619 on Good Morning Orlando. 407-916-5400. You can also text to 23680. I know I keep harping on this point about how the Democrats keep putting out this, this image that the middle class suffers if the government doesn't get more of your money and they put out this image successfully, there are so many people who believe that when you allow more people to keep more of their own money, that that's a gift, that that's a giveaway to the wealthy or a giveaway to business. And by pushing that narrative and pushing that narrative, it works. And people believe, well, The Republicans are just screwing the middle class to help the wealthy, even though that's not true. It's not true. By allowing businesses to keep more of their money, it fuels economic growth. It fuels job growth, which also helps the middle class. But in the mind of a leftist, they believe that the country is better run if the state 
has more money. And if the government is spending money on the middle class, that's better for the middle class. It's a completely different philosophy. And until you understand that crucial point, their narrative is going to keep on winning because you'll talk to people and they'll say, well, it's just a gift. It's just a handout to the rich. That's all Republicans care about, even though it's not. Everyone's getting a tax break, but it's not a handout. It's allowing them to keep more of their own money. Now, uh, another point I wanted to make on the tax cuts is, uh, well, Trump tweeted this out yesterday. It kind of makes the point. He said this in a tweet. He said, based on the fact that the very unfair and unpopular individual mandate has been terminated as part of our tax cut bill, which essentially repeals over time Obamacare, the Democrats and Republicans will eventually come together and develop a great new health care plan. It became increasingly obvious yesterday that Trump, President Trump and his administration, what they want to focus on next, especially in 2018, is once again health care reform. Now, why, why is he talking about this now? Why is this such a big deal? It's a huge deal, really, that the individual mandate was repealed as a part of this tax, this tax cut bill. Now, I've never supported the individual mandate. I think it's completely unconstitutional. The idea that the government can force you to buy something merely for existing. I mean, that, that's it. If you're alive, you have to buy health insurance. That's completely unconstitutional. But the reason why Trump is getting on this point, and he wants Democrats involved on this, which is a little scary, because what the Democrats want and what the Republicans might you know, get if they deal with the Democrats is a little bit scary. And I don't know how much I trust the Republicans on this issue either because the last time they tried to repeal health care or Obamacare, this earlier this year, it was not really a repeal of Obamacare, which was pretty sad. That being said, the reason why Trump wants to address this issue is because Obamacare collapses without the individual mandate. If the individual mandate isn't there to force young people to buy insurance to fund the system, it doesn't work. Because more and more young people are going to choose not to buy because, frankly, it's too expensive. That's my biggest problem with Obamacare. We didn't address the real problem with health care, which is cost of care. We addressed coverage. But with more and more young people, they're just going to choose not to buy it. Obamacare collapses. And if Obamacare collapses, there has to be some kind of replacement. And when I and I would, you know, I would just repeal the whole thing, go back to more free market principles like the Rand Paul plan. But Trump knows this. And we'll see what happens. The Democrats don't want to work with Trump. They want to use this as a campaign uh, platform against Trump in the midterms and then in 2020. But if he does end up working with Democrats, it's not going to be a full repeal of Obamacare. That's a little worrisome. But Obamacare collapses without the individual mandate. So that's why he wants to address this now. And that's why the Republicans want to address this now. And we'll see what the Democrats do. But it's a really big deal. And it's going to be a big issue in the beginning of next year. But I think repealing the individual mandate is a good first step. All right, we have Tom Alexander who just joined me in the studio and he's going to talk about the latest news. He's going to talk about that nasty winter weather uh, that many are going to see in New Year's Eve across the country and groping allegations for Trump's former campaign manager. I heard about this story. Uh, another another 
you know, another thing in the Me Too movement, I guess. So we'll talk more about that. It is 629 on Good Morning Orlando. And we have Mr. Tom Alexander in the studio with me who's going to talk about the latest news, including that uh, nasty winter weather that a lot of people are going to get on New Year's Eve. Now, does that include us? Um, Right now, it doesn't look like we'll get the worst of this. It looks like it's going to stay a little bit to the north of us. Okay, so good news. I I like starting out with good news for us. Yeah, for us. But a lot of the (laughs) folks you're going to see on TV New Year's Eve are going to be freezing. Yep. A brutal cold front is pounding the East Coast and the Midwest. It is expected to stretch through the rest of the week and into New Year's Eve. Meteorologists say 48 million people were under wind chill advisory last night. That's up from just 30 million people earlier that day. Now, in New York City, where people are going to gather in Times Square to see the ball drop Sunday night, the temperature is expected to be around 12 degrees. But it will feel even colder than that because of the wind chill. And the temperature is expected to go even lower. For New Year's Day. I, I don't know how people live up there. I I went <laughs> I to the D.C. area last January for a wedding and got my first real taste of what actual cold weather is like. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, how do people live here? I, I mean, I was there for five days and I was ready to come back to Florida. Really? And I'm always somebody who likes the cold weather, but... but Yeah, that was extreme. It's pretty brutal. Ugh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> the news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A singer who gained fame as a supporter of President Donald Trump says former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski sexually assaulted her. Joy Vila claims Lewandowski slapped her rear end while posing for a picture during a party on November 28th. Multiple media reports say she's now filed a sexual assault complaint with police. She recently wrote on Twitter that Lewandowski slapped her butt once and she told him to stop and then he did it again. She said she was embarrassed and shocked by his behavior. Here in central Florida, an eight-year-old boy is in the hospital after a Christmas Day crash in Daytona Beach. The boy was riding a scooter on Hudson Street when he was rear-ended by a teenager riding a dirt bike. The boy was knocked unconscious with a fractured skull and airlifted to an Orlando-area hospital. A woman at his home told the Daytona Beach News Journal yesterday that the boy is still in the hospital, but he's awake and has his mom by his side. A man is dead after a Christmas Day crash in Orange County. Florida Highway Patrol says Matthew Hartman of Orlando died yesterday from injuries suffered in the crash Monday. Investigators think Hartman ran a red light on Curry Ford Road before crashing head-on into a car carrying three people. Hartman was ejected as his truck rolled over, and a passenger in the car he hit suffered serious injuries. Mike, did you get a lot of gift cards this Christmas? Uh, I mean, not a lot, but yes, I got Did some. You get a few. We all mm-hmm. get some, right? Well, if you're uh, really anxious to use it, Brian Oglesby with the Better Business Bureau says, relax, you have some time. The FTC has implemented new rules when it comes to gift cards that was implemented back in 2010. And the rules say that money on a gift card cannot expire for at least five years from the date the card was purchased or from the last date any additional money was loaded onto the card. Oglesby says bank gift cards can be used anywhere, and if there's an expiration date on a gift card, you can actually transfer that money to a replacement card at no cost. WFLA News Time Now, 637. I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now. Yes, and we have the Bloomberg Business Report coming up right now with Gina Cervetti, who is in New York City, who 
Yeah, I don't know how cold it is there now, but are you looking forward to uh, the really cold weather on New Year's Day? No, I don't... no. <laughs> it's no. 21 degrees right now. Uh, it probably feels a little colder because it's a little chilly out there. Breezy, I should say. You know, the old wind chill factor, yeah. which you guys don't have to worry about so much. Yeah, I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to think. <laughs> All right. So what do the stock futures look like today? Are they a little chilly or what's going on there? <laughs> They're a little on the warm side. Just a little bit. They're okay. rising slightly here this morning. So we'll say little change to higher so far this morning, Mike. Uh, yesterday on Wall Street, kind of a flat day. Trading volume is very thin this week, as you might guess. We had tech shares slumping yesterday. That offset a rally in telecom. In the end, the S&P was down about three points or a tenth of a percent, closing at 26.81. The Dow was flat. It slipped eight points to 24,746. The Nasdaq was down 24 or three-tenths of a percent to 69.36. Uh, the Bloomberg Orlando Index was Little change to higher yesterday. Uh, this morning we have oil at $59.52 a barrel. That's down slightly from yesterday's close, but oil is hovering near its highest in more than two years after a pipeline blast in Libya. Here in the U.S., we have a couple of things to watch for today. We get an update on consumer confidence for December, and we get pending home sales data for the month of November. Yes, and homeowners in high tax states, this is dealing with the new uh, tax cut bill, uh, they're racing to beat the new tax law. What's that about? Yeah, states like New Jersey and New York and other states, homeowners with the highest property taxes are reportedly looking to prepay their 2018 bills ahead of a $10,000 cap on the deduction for state and local levies, including property taxes included in the GOP tax overhaul that President Trump just signed. The tax law enacted just before Christmas has prompted some local governments to revise their rules in a bid to facilitate the last-minute change in federal tax strategies. And NBA, the National Basketball Association, they got um, a Christmas gift in terms of TV viewership, didn't they? They did. The NBA's annual Christmas games delivered some of their most successful overnight ratings in recent history. The league's five games on Monday on various networks saw their overnight rating up about 20 percent from last year's Christmas games. The NBA was also up against a pair of games in the NFL, which only plays on Christmas every few years. All right, Gina, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Bloomberg Business Report. All right, take care. And, of course, we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I was going through the Orlando Sentinel yesterday, and I just happened to see this, this headline, and it caught my attention. Here it is. It's by Mary Shanklin in the Orlando Sentinel. It said veteran. It says veteran must surrender emotional support dog. And I'm thinking, who in the world would take away a veteran's emotional support dog? Why would somebody do this? So, but when you actually look into it, there is a little bit of a debate here. According to the Orlando Sentinel, 70-year-old Robert L. Brady has until January 11th to give up Bane, the mixed-breed sidekick, that a psychologist deemed as an emotional support dog. His Conway Area Condominium Association won an arbitration order on December 12th, requiring the Vietnam veteran to surrender the four-year-old dog because it exceeds the community's 35-pound weight limit for pets. Bane, 
weighs 41 pounds. So he barely goes over the limit here. The canine now faces an uncertain future, even as assistance dogs have gained greater access to communities, restaurants, and shops. Now, the veteran says this. He says, the reason I don't want to lose him is that he keeps my mind off the war and everything. He's just a wonderful companion. He says, my life would be lost without a good companion, and that's why I'm doing all I can to keep them from having to get rid of him. So my initial reaction when reading this, and there's more to this I'm going to get to in a second, but my, my initial gut reaction, and I think it's probably the gut reaction a lot of you have, is let the guy keep his dog. Is he needs the emotional support dog. It's barely over the weight limit. What's the big deal here? And, you know, that's my initial reaction. But there is a part of me as well that wonders, you know, rules are rules. If the rule is that the dog is has to be under 35 pounds and the dog is 41 pounds, does that mean he's breaking the rules? Do we have to have a zero tolerance policy? I'm curious your guys' take on this. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. Another issue that's coming out of this is apparently this is something a lot of places are having to deal with because so many people now want to have these emotional support dogs. And apparently, according to this, there really isn't any um, requirement on what kind of dog it is. So they c- it could be almost any kind of dog. It says here in the Orlando Sentinel, homeowner and condo associations are among those grappling with the boundary lines for emotional support dogs. Unlike service dogs trained to assist disabled people with daily tasks, emotional support dogs don't require training. They can be any species and require no certification to assist owners who have psychological disabilities. That's according to the National Institutes of Health. In Florida, one association lawyer is seeking legislation to further clarify issues related to emotional support animals. So let's say the condo, the condominium, it's Orange Tree Village Condominiums. Let's say that they allow this one person to have a dog, even though it it goes against the requirements. Does that open the door for anyone to just say, I have an emotional thing, here's a dog? This dog's 60 pounds, but, you know, it's an emotional support dog, so I think you should let me have it. Playing a little devil's advocate there, but I wonder, because our gut reaction is, well, what the vet? It's a veteran. Let him have his dog. But I'm curious what your take is on that, and I want to talk more about this in a sec. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So we were talking about how it's a local condo here in Orlando that they won't let a veteran, a Vietnam veteran, keep his service. And it's not a service dog, actually. It's an emotional support dog. And they won't let him keep the dog because it's six pounds over the weight limit. And while initially... My gut reaction is to let him keep his dog. It's a veteran. It's barely over it. It wasn't hurting anybody. And they admit it wasn't really causing any problems. Um, 
some are saying that if you allow the condo, if you allow this one person to get away with it, it opens the door and animal restrictions become meaningless. In fact, that's what Orlando attorney Peter McGrath said. He said Brady is a sympathetic figure. Brady is the veteran who wants to keep his dog. But the association's animal restrictions become meaningless if left unforced. And Michael, you were kind of telling me that in the break that you kind of feel the same way. Well, yeah. Now, I do have a few questions here. I want to know first if he had the dog before he moved into these condos. If he did, did he know the law or the rules, rather, for the condominium? Uh, But the problem obviously you're going to want a veteran to have his emotional support. I know, dog. you know, that's initially just, it tugs, just, it tugs like, on the heartstrings. Yeah, you feel like that, you know, the guy's served, he's he's seen, I'm sure, more than any of us ever will. And if he needs some a companion, you want him to have his companion. But I see this being abused all the time. It is so easy to get your little, you know, poodle Go to your doctor, say, hey, I need this dog, and then say, all right, well, there's your emotional support dog. I I see it happen all the time, and it's unfortunate because now you have instances like this where they have to kind of— Where this might be a legitimate thing, Yeah, but if they open the door just a little bit, and that's what the attorney is saying here, it could cause problems. Now, on the text line, and you can text to 23680, it seems that that there's kind of—it's kind of a split. Like one person says, as long as the veteran is taking proper care of the dog, who cares? You know, my my thinking is, you know, it should be dealt with on an individual basis. Use common sense. If you're a condo, you, the dog's not hurting anyone. It's obviously helping this person. Let him keep the dog. But another person says this. He says, rules are rules. If you don't like the rules in an adult community, don't move into one. Which leads me to my question before. Did yeah. he know this before he moved in? Right. And let's take some calls here real quick. Let's go to... Steve in Orlando. Steve, what do you think about this? Yeah, Michael, I'm a 100% service-connected veteran. I'm totally blind, lost my sight in Afghanistan. Now, I have oh, a wow. German Shepherd. Oh, wow, thank you for Shepherd. your service. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have a German Shepherd who is my guide dog. I have lived in places where there's HOAs and rules. This is a legitimate service dog. I didn't go on eBay and you know, buy a card <laughs> or a vest or whatever. Right. The whole service animal thing is, is just way over-abused. Really? I'm and the, you're someone who I'm uses at, it. Well, whether I'm at the, the mall or a restaurant or on an airplane, I see people with, I mean, I've seen service animal vests on pit bulls. I've seen them on Rottweilers. Um, it's, it's just, it's way over abused. And, you know, if this is a legitimate service dog that has been trained by, you know, a legitimate place, then it is covered under the ADA uh, as a service animal. And like I said, right. I've lived in HOAs where, you know, my dog's 80 pounds, and they had and the restriction that was 35 or 40 pounds, and, you know, it's it's way for them because it's a legitimate service animal. Yeah, and, I, and not to interrupt you, but this is not a service dog. It's an emotional support dog, which uh, you're kind of saying is being abused. It, it is because, I mean, you know, you're a pet owner. You have a you have cat or cats, and, you know, our pets do make us feel better. I get that. Um, but, you know, for, for service right. animals or and emotional support animal is covered under a service animal under the ADA if it's legitimate and, you know, the doctor's letter and all that. But there's so many people, I mean, you can go on eBay, you know, and buy an identification card or the right. vest or whatever else. And like I said, it's just I see it at the VA and everywhere that I go. I feel uh, like I see it actually, a lot more, too. I, I, I don't know. I've just actually, in the past few years, I feel like I've seen it like 
everywhere. <laughs> well, I, I feel like people know now how easy it is yeah. to you know say your dog is an emotional support dog. Yeah, and Steve, thank you so much for your call, and thank you for your service, of course. Uh, let's go to Joe. Joe, how's it going? Hi, good. I'm a 29-year uh, Air Force veteran myself. Okay, um, go ahead. Originally in your remarks, you said that there was a pet restriction of, what was it, 30 pounds or 32 pounds? 35 pounds, yeah, and this dog's 41 pounds. pounds. Yeah. Well, the dog is an emotional support dog. He's not a pet. Different right. classification. And the, the covenant between the doctor and the patient that allowed him to become a you know emotional support dog, no one can step in between what the doctor says that this person needs for support and what is happening. I mean, the, the last gentleman, I respect his service also, but he doesn't know what issues this veteran has. Gotcha. What if all of a sudden you got rid of this dog and... He went into depression and, you know, God forbid something bad happened. Gotcha. And the other thing is, did the dog gain weight? Was he under the weight while, when he had him? Right. And did he just gain weight because he ate too much? Okay, Joe, I appreciate your call. I'm just totally flat out of time. But some people are saying the dog should go on a diet. Apparently, this guy is trying that, but, you know, he doesn't want to starve the dog. But that just goes back to our first point. In a, a situation like this, you have to take it on an individual basis. That's what I think. That's what I think. All right, we have uh, Tom Alexander who's going to update us on the latest news at the top of the hour at 701 on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning nasty winter weather expected for New Year's Eve, and more help for local people who fled Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Details coming up in one minute. So, a passenger uh, with a loaded gun. Adds long lines to the Orlando International Airport security yesterday. I have some questions about their whole procedure. I don't really understand. We'll talk about that next. 704 on News Radio 1025. The new year could get off to a miserable start for millions of Americans if a pair of storm systems get together for New Year's Eve. Forecasters expect one storm to sweep across the Midwest with snow. Another is projected to move north after dumping icy precipitation on parts of the south. If the storm systems merge, areas that are already being hammered by lake effect snow this week will get a second helping. And the Midwest could experience travel delays before the end of the week. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Things are downright hazardous on central Florida's roads right now. As we just mentioned, the National Weather Service has issued a dense fog advisory in effect until 9 a.m., Areas of dense fog have developed across Lake Volusia, Seminole, and northwest Orange counties and are spreading southward across the I-4 corridor into the greater Orlando area. Visibility in many areas is a quarter mile or less. In some locations, it's even down to 100 yards. Give yourself extra time out there this morning. Be careful. Watch out for other drivers. There's no word yet on the cause of a deadly mobile home fire in Brevard County. A man in his 60s died after the fire broke out around 2 a.m. yesterday near State Road 520, just east of the Orange County line. The victim has not yet been identified. Nearby residents reported hearing an explosion, which deputies said might have been a propane or propane or gas tank. Thousands of pounds of food sitting in a warehouse will go to help displaced Puerto Ricans today. The Episcopal Diocese of Central Florida will pick up 50,000 pounds of food from a Jacksonville warehouse today. 
They'll take that food and give it to needy families in the Kissimmee area who fled Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. A lot of food was donated to the island after the storm, but Reverend Gregory Brewer tells the Orlando Sentinel, no one anticipated that so many people would come here from Puerto Rico after the storm. Christmas is over, but stores across Florida are still busy with bargain hunters and, of course, gift returns. Brian Oglesby with the Better Business Bureau says you should be aware many stores won't give a cash refund and others will require a receipt for all returns. As for gift cards, federal law requires they won't expire for at least five years. WFLA News Time Now 707. Read about a White House staple for nearly 200 years that's vanishing at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yes, and this is Good Morning Orlando. I am your host, Michael Yaffe. We have Mr. Michael Formasano, who is producing today, and Stephanie screening your calls at 407 5400 so speaking of flying, the song is <laughs> Fly Like an Eagle. Um, somebody tries to bring a loaded gun onto uh, a plane accidentally at Orlando International Airport. Now, we've talked about that before with Bud and how people should know not to do that. 91 incidents this year. But I want to talk a little bit about the security procedure that happened after this that I don't really understand. And not only that. But I recently flew out of Orlando International Airport. And the way they do security there and the security checkpoints, I feel like is kind of a problem. Now, if there's a TSA agent listening or a security expert listening who wants to call and give me some expert opinion on this, that'd be great. You can call 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFL. So the big story yesterday, it was on all the local news sites, was that there was a passenger with a loaded gun, and actually um, someone was asking me on the text line, uh, was was it loaded or unloaded? According to uh, reports, he was carrying, carrying a gun with a separate magazine loaded with 10 rounds of 22 caliber ammunition so it wasn't the magazine was separate from the gun that's according to the report i'm reading now um but this caused a lot of problems yesterday because there was a passenger forgot he had it in this carry-on bag um this has happened record amount of times this year and actually let's hear the audio uh, our buddies at fox 35 yesterday um did the report on this and here it is just coming out of the airport, TSA agents found a gun inside of one passenger's carry-on. And all of this is happening as 145,000 people are expected to fly through OIA. Today, the news station's Dana Jay is live with uh, what happened. Dana tried to carry this uh, package through and ended up uh, getting caught, apparently. 
That's right. And actually, to give you a little bit of sense of perspective, TSA says this is the 91st time this year that someone has tried to go through security with a gun in their bag. So they're not. They're trying to downplay the fact there's no. It's no danger to folks. This was just something that really wound up being a logistical nightmare for them because it really clogged up the security line behind me that you see. Now things are back to normal at this point. However, at one point this line was stretching almost to the food court. So a really a big nightmare for the people who were trying to go through. In fact, 145,000 people expected to pass through this airport today. So you can imagine what kind of a headache it creates when somebody brings something in their bag that they aren't supposed to. Now we talked to, talk to folks who have been coming through the airport so far this morning, getting here, seeing some long lines and saying, gee, I'm glad I got here when I did. Some family that flew in on uh, Friday, and um, we heard it was busy, so we were expecting it. So, but we still didn't get up early enough. <laughs> so um, that that was the report from yesterday. The passenger tries to bring it on, but what I don't understand, and maybe someone can explain this to me, because I really don't get it. Because this guy does this, their protocol not only is to call the police and to investigate. But they have to they have to freeze that line. So all the people that were behind this guy in that line, that line is frozen. So they have to go to another line, which creates a massive backup in the security checkpoint line and creates even more problems. And to me, I just, why can't you just, okay, you take that guy to the side, you take his his weapon to the side, you investigate, you call the police, but you continue in that line checking through security. I don't understand the purpose of having to totally freeze that line. Not only that, but it says several officers were taken out of the checkpoint for a couple of hours to complete paperwork and make the necessary notifications, which also lengthened the security process. And when you look at pictures from yesterday, they were all over Twitter. The line, yeah, is going all the way back to like the food court. And to me, that almost creates another security issue because all of a sudden you have a bunch of people gathered in one area in a line that have not been checked through security yet. So how do you keep all of those people safe in that one area? It seems like there's a process here that just really doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I mean, this is beyond just somebody bringing on a gun, which you should know by now you cannot do at an airport, but it seems like 91 times, record amount of times this year. 407-916-5400, text to 23680. I want to talk a little bit more about this because I recently flew out of Orlando International Airport, and the difference between our airport and, say, because I flew to Dallas, Dallas-Fort Worth, the difference between the two Maybe think Orlando's not doing it right. But you might have an opinion on this. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. It's 719 on Good Morning Orlando. So, yeah, I was really confused yesterday when we were talking, when I read this story about how someone tried to bring a gun through their carry-on luggage through the security checkpoint. You're not allowed to do that. It's against the law. And um, they had to totally freeze the line. They had to stop that line, which created massive backups in an already busy airport. Now, last week, I flew out of Orlando International Airport and had to go through their security 
And that was just a regular day. And it was still a pretty long line. And to me, and especially with a backup like this, I, I don't know. I wish there was a better process because it seems like at Orlando International Airport, you have the two security checkpoints for the two terminals, but it's all kind of in one area. So you have all these people waiting in line in just one area, crowded together, going past the food court if it's really busy. And I feel like that in itself is a security problem, even before they get through security. Now, when I went through DFW Airport in Dallas, it was set up completely different. So instead of having these security checkpoints in one area, it was spread out. And I was looking at the terminal map here. They have three different security checkpoints, and they have more terminals in that airport. But they were spread. They're not in just one area. It's more spread out. So you have one on one side of the airport, one on the other side, depending on which way you go. And it seems like it moved a lot more smoothly that way. And you didn't have these huge backups like you have at Orlando International Airport. Now, when I talk to my family, like my brother who flies a lot, he says Orlando International is just a nightmare. But Michael, you you fly a lot, and you said that Orlando International is actually, compared to even some other airports, it's not, they do a pretty good job. Well, okay. It still can be a pain going through Orlando, because it does get backed up. You have tourists, they don't know where they're going right. or anything. And yes, it happens. I don't think it's the worst airport, because you have to remember, we're one of the largest, you know, yeah. as far as how many people we move through that airport, we're one of the top airports. And for the amount of people that go in and out of Orlando, it could be way worse. However, I'm going to throw this in there. Oh. We adopted what seems like the theme park style TSA checkpoint in that everybody goes to one line. I mean, yeah. there's separate lines within it, but it's one main line. You go through security and then you board the ride, which is the tram that takes you to the airplane. And <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. It yes. is like a theme park type It's like style. a theme park. And they even have their own express lanes, the TSA clear. Yeah. But that's not necessarily good for... Um, you have one backup in one area, it throws everything off. Right. And um, I feel like there's got to be a better process. You got to spread it out. Well, or unfortunately, there's only two terminals, A and B at Orlando yeah. International. So it's kind of hard to, to separate the two. Whereas, Obviously, like, when it was built, it was set up before a lot of the security was yeah. there. The, the flow pattern hadn't existed yet. Yeah. Uh, there's some airports up north, like Newark where there's so many different terminals within the one airport that each one can have its own TSA checkpoint. Right. That's just not how it is at and Orlando. It's, and it's spread out more, and you don't have this issue where you have, like you said, the theme park type <laughs> line. That's a really that's a good, really good way to put it, because that's exactly what it's like. Uh, let's take some calls here. Let's go to uh, Joe in Claremont. Joe, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, good morning. How are you? Pretty good. How are you, sir? All right, fine, sir. Quite frankly... I worked TSA five and a half years approximately at the OIA. Oh, okay, great. Now, if you know what the gentleman before just said is very, very true, there is very minimal access to where you have to get to the plane to get to airside. You got the east checkpoint and the west checkpoint. Right. Uh, number one, west checkpoint is a outdated checkpoint. It can't handle the volume uh, that of passengers we're getting now. It was developed probably at least 30 years ago. They are going to ex extend another terminal eventually, or a couple of terminals, I understand. But right now, you just do not have that capability. 
If you know you go to East Checkpoint where they do all the news uh, casting, which has got the atrium and is much right. nicer in appearance, uh, it's a little more efficient. You get through quicker. It's open. The other one is a almost like a cattle drive, quite frankly. Huh. But so, in honesty, go ahead, sir. Well, I was just going to ask you, too, about was it policy when you worked for the TSA that if someone tried to bring a gun through or something, you had to totally freeze the line? <clears throat> well, it's, it's, each airport may tweak it a little bit. They may tweak it a little bit. But anytime there's a breach, they stop everything. Oh, man. And that's what they do. When there's a breach, they will stop everything. Now, they found the gun. Quite frankly, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, they, they don't punish these people enough. When you have a gun and you're coming through, knowing the rules and regulations, me, this is my opinion, this should be an automatic massive cash fine. They should put them on a no-fly list for at least three years. And wow. then these people start to wake up. Now, yep. you can't tell me, oh, I forgot. This is not the third grade. It's serious. You don't have <laughs> to graduate Harvard, Princeton, or Yale to figure this out. <laughs> Joe? I mean, let's be honest. Now, the the, uh, the TSA is usually this, they are a little bit, it gets to be a mundane scenario. My thing is they should freeze the whole thing for two minutes, two minutes only, let all the necessary supervisors go out to every lane, indicate they're going to intensify the searches from this, for this point on. Because somebody could bring a gun, and that could be a decoy. Somebody else has a, even, oh. even a better plan coming somewhere that's, else that's a great point so there should be a a decoy a, a possible decoy i should say i'm uh, just worried should... and i'm just worried the one thing that worries me though is someone hurting people in line before they go through security when you have that many people grouped together like that well there, there is another serious problem why they try and process them through i'm glad yeah. for that they try and process them as, as quickly as possible but to me again and you can see it I make no, no bones about it. There could be a possible major shooting, a massive shooting. Yeah, Anywhere it's been a, it's been a, airports. yeah. And Joe, I appreciate your call. It's been a big concern that they're going to have to deal with on that. Thank you. That was a great call. Someone who worked for TSA had some really good points there. Um, we have Tom Alexander, who is with me in the studio right now, who is going to talk about the latest news, including that uh, nasty weather that's expected to hit on New Year's Eve, more up north than here and two men who have been friends for decades discover they're related it's 731 on good morning orlando so tom alexander is joining me in the studio and he's going to talk about what's going on in the news there's some nasty weather coming nasty winter weather coming to a lot of the country but as far as i know it's going to stay north of us right right Hoping? The, the, as far as the cold and the ice and snow yes we may see some rain out of this um, but our neighbors as as close as North Georgia and Louisiana could get snow and some dangerous ice conditions. Oh, wow. Yeah. This nasty winter weather is threatening the East Coast, the Midwest, and as I said, even parts of the South uh, later this week into New Year's Eve. Snow is expected to sweep across the Midwest. Uh, we could have treacherous ice in the South because two storms are crossing the country. Now, how they interact will determine just how much of a snow threat the Northeast will have for the weekend. Temperatures are expected to be dangerously cold for New Year's celebrations up north, though. New York City, Times Square, is expected to be around 12 degrees, but it will feel a lot colder than that because of the wind chill. And what's crazy is people will still go outside and... Oh, it'll still be packed. <laughs> wall to wall. It'll be crazy packed. Uh, people tend to find 
other ways of keeping warm when I, they go out for New Year's Eve in Times Square. I guess so. I don't want you to elaborate I'm on not that. going to. <laughs> I'm not going to. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Two men in Hawaii who have been best friends for 60 years found out they're actually more than that. Walter McFarlane and Alan Robinson were both curious about their family histories. McFarlane never knew his father, and Robinson was adopted. After doing some checking, they discovered they share the same birth mother and are actually half-brothers. That is crazy. Grew up together, went to high school together, played football together. Never knew they were brothers until just now. How, how do you not know you have the same... Were they adopted? Well, one, one was adopted, wow. and the other one never knew his father, so they had no idea about you know their backgrounds oh. that they could have had mutual. But if you look at them, they've been on all different network news this morning. They look alike. They look like they could be I related. Bet, I bet it was probably a joke when they were younger that, oh, we could be brothers. Right, right. And then all this time they actually were. Yeah, they actually were. Wow. They uh, they revealed the discovery to their friends and family on Christmas Eve this year. I wonder how they how did they figure it out, I wonder. Yeah, a DNA test. Really? So yeah. they just kind of had a hunch that one I, day? Well, they, I guess they were both sort of curious about where yeah. they came from because their histories were so murky and it just it, they found out. That they were related. That is a great story. Yeah, yeah, and everybody's been picking it up this morning. Um, Yaffe, did you know in Virginia it is against the law to swear in public? No, no, I did not. It I feel is, like a lot of people probably break that law. Oh, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's it is still on the books, been on the books for a very long time. But a state lawmaker there is finally trying to change that. Virginia State Delegate Michael Webert has pre-filed a House bill that would eliminate the crime of cursing in public. Right now, if you're caught swearing in Virginia, it is a class four misdemeanor. You can be fined up to two hundred and fifty bucks. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I know that like some parents will have like swear jars in right, the right. house where they make their kids pay a dollar, but this is like a state swear jar, I guess. <laughs> the state swear jar. I like that. We'll raise some revenue. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they've tried to get rid of this cursing statute before, but it has failed. Because people think it will promote indecency to take this law off the books. I don't know how often they enforce it. But there is no way they enforce this law. I mean, how could, how I mean, could you really? On. Unless, I mean, the cops themselves standing don't on the corner that just law. listening. Right, <laughs> right. If you watch any police reality shows, it's never, ever. That anyone even knows it exists. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sure they don't. It's got to be. The law, most lawmakers are calling it antiquated. It's been there for a long time. Oh, it's totally antiquated. But it's shocking to me that they've failed at trying to repeal it before. <laughs> You'd think they would have gotten that done a while ago. Interesting. Well, they all started fighting about it. Some curse words got out, and they just never, you know, finished <laughs> up. Everyone with it. got arrested. Yeah, that's and yeah. they were all arrested. That was that. <laughs> all right, Tom. All right, thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you. And you'll be with us at the top of the hour to, for more of the latest news. So, I have an interesting story I found from Reason.com on why Santa, Santa Claus, uh, is going to quit. Probably going to quit next year. It's. Pretty entertaining. I'll read some of that. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Isn't. (laughs) Isn't. (laughs) Yes. So Christmas was this week, a couple days ago. And, of course, Santa was coming to town or came to town. But I found this story from Reason Magazine. Which uh, got me laughing a little bit, actually. It says, Santa calls it quits. It's 
why Mike's saying Santa isn't coming to town. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So this is what it says. Uh, somebody wrote to the editor there says, I'm eight years old. Some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you see it, then if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? And this is what uh, they wrote in response to this little girl. Virginia, your little friends are right. There used to be a Santa Claus, but not anymore. Oh, he is real, dear girl. He most certainly exists. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. But he has gotten out of the gift-giving game. It all started a few years ago when agents from the Occupational Health and Safety Administration stormed into his workshop, waving a warrant. An elf disgruntled over Santa's decision not to stock decaf in the break room had dropped a dime, and when the agents arrived, they found more than a dozen violations of federal rules. Elves were making toys without proper safety equipment. Melted ice on the floor had pooled, creating a slip and fall hazard. There was no eyewash station or automated external defibrillator in the facility, let alone an ADA complaint sign for one. It went on and on. They walloped Santa with more than $70,000 in fines. Those inspectors did and forced him to come up with a remediation plan approved by court-appointed special master within 60 days. That sort of took the wind out of old Santa's sails, if you know what I mean. He was just getting over that when he served with a certified cease and desist letter from the lawyers at Mattel, accusing him of copyright infringement. <laughs> Some of the trains the elves had been making looked too much like Mattel's Thomas the Tank engine figure, at least so far as Mattel was concerned, and the company threatened to haul Santa into court for theft of intellectual property. <laughs> he took it pretty hard, I must say. Still, he probably would have let it go eventually if it hadn't been for the incident with the fighter jets. Yes, one of Santa's little helpers, rather unhelpfully, forgotten to file a flight plan with the Federal Aviation Administration. So when radar picked up something that looked like a sleigh being pulled across the sky at eight by eight tiny reindeer, a couple of nervous Nellies at the Pentagon grew concerned. Reindeer and sleigh simply do not fly. That is official Defense Department doctrine. They think that nothing can be they think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men or children's, are little. The Pentagon's little minds grew even more jittery when they calculated that this sleigh, which they figured was probably Russian or Chinese, was transecting the hemisphere at speeds of roughly 1,800 miles per second. That is more than 3,000 times faster than the maximum speed of the F-15 Strike Eagle, the fastest plane in the U.S. military. So they sent up an entire squadron of F-22 Raptors from the Air Force Base to inform Santa that he was violating U.S. airspace and bring him down for the frank heart-to-heart. Well, Santa's droll little mouth drew down in a frown, and his knees shook, but not like a bowl full of jelly, more like a handful of maracas. Santa tried to explain that NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, was tracking him already, but they weren't buying it. 
inter-service rivalry. You know how it is. After that, everyone seemed to pile on. Animal rights activists tried to sneak a hidden camera into the reindeer stables to catch Santa doing whatever it was he must be doing to the poor Rudolph to make his nose glow red. They were soon followed by a bunch of half-naked women from PETA who objected to making reindeer fly at all. The elves thought the demonstration was pretty spiffy, but Mrs. Claus did not approve, not one little bit. Then the social justice crowd got into the act. They were outraged by the idea of a white Christmas, let alone a straight, white, cisgender male running around the world acting like he's was God's gift to children or something. Hashtag white privilege Christmas started trending on Twitter, and it turned into a pretty vicious flame war. Santa still would have stuck it out, I think, if it hadn't been for the neighborhood watches. A woman in Arkansas posted a message on Facebook about how some fat bearded creep had climbed down her chimney in the middle of the night. And the next thing Santa knew, every time he landed on a roof, he took incoming fire from camouflage vigilantes with AR-15s and Winchester's 308s. So these days, Santa is kicking back in Boca Raton. But don't worry, Virginia, he still lives. And he'd very much like to keep it that way. <laughs> Thought that was pretty funny. That was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was great. All right. All right. Uh, we have uh, the Rush Morning Update coming up next in Orlando's News, Weather, and Traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, Mike. Yes. What, what, what's up with the iPhone 10? I don't. It, the, the sales are s- slumping there, Mike. It's because it's expensive. You think that's what it is? Yeah. According to one analyst. Uh, I think they made a huge mistake. Yeah, according to one analyst, they they're saying Apple will ship just 35 million iPhone 10s. That's 10 million fewer than previously expected. And it's a bit it's big news. It's kind of hurt their stocks a little bit. A lot of people think it's um really not all it's a disappointment some investors think. Well, I think the biggest mistake they made is releasing the iPhone 10 right after the iPhone 8. Is that what it? I mean, I'm asking you because you're an I'm an Android yeah, guy. That's but you're an Apple guy, and this was supposed to be the next big thing. And what what happened? I they don't... wanted to make a big deal over their anniversary iPhone and 10 years, and you know who cares about iPhone nine? Because let's jump right to 10 after eight. And they they released them so close together. And to be completely honest, there's not that many differences between the phones themselves really so i mean yeah you have the bigger screen it's fast it's got the really nice camera but the iphone 8 plus has a bigger screen it's pretty fast and has a really nice camera and it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot cheaper so it sounds like the price is a big problem the price is a big problem had they waited till maybe i don't know summer to release the iphone 10 their sales would probably be a lot better but that was a huge huge mistake in the marketing all right, interesting. That's from our local Apple expert. It's just something I was thinking about because that was supposed to be the big thing, and uh, I'm reading a lot of reports that say uh, no, this is kind of a disappointment. So very interesting. All right, in but the I next, love mine. <laughs> do you have a ten? I do have a ten. I love it. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know you had a ten. I have to. I have to check that out after the show. So in the next half hour, uh, it's got 2017's almost over. It's the first year of the Trump presidency. Want you to grade how he's done so far. I'll give my take as well. 407 916 5400. 
We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And we have Tom Alexander who's going to give us the news at the top of the hour. It is 8 o'clock on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Nasty winter weather expected for New Year's Eve. Two Florida lawmakers check on recovery efforts in Puerto Rico. We'll have details coming up in one minute. So a lot of different reports because it's the end of almost the end of 2017. Grading Trump's presidency in 2017. I want your take on how you think Trump has done coming up next. Coming up on 804 on News Radio 1025, and a pair of storm systems may try and come together for New Year's and belt the East Coast with more snow and icy conditions. Forecasters say one storm is expected to sweep across the Midwest with snow, and another is projected to move northward after bringing icy rain and snow to parts of the South. The Midwest could even see travel delays before the end of the week, so if you're heading anywhere in that region from now through the weekend, an eye on your flight schedule for any possible cancellations. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A Florida senator and congressman are traveling to Puerto Rico today to get an up-close look at ongoing efforts to recover from Hurricane Maria. Senator Bill Nelson's office says he and fellow Democrat Congressman Darren Soto of Orlando will meet with Governor Ricardo Roseo and other leaders in Puerto Rico today. Nelson is scheduled to be in Kissimmee tomorrow, to discuss his visit with local Puerto Rican community leaders. Maria is being blamed for more than 1,000 deaths in the U.S. territory. Right now, police are searching for a suspect in a deadly shooting that happened overnight just north of Orlando Sanford International Airport. Sanford police responded shortly after midnight to reports of multiple gunshots fired near the intersection of Terry Lane and Scott Drive. They found an 18-year-old man who'd been shot while riding a bike Efforts to save him were not successful. Anyone with information on the shooting is asked to call Crimeline at 1-800-423-TIPS. Florida gas prices are heading higher as oil prices spike to their highest level since June 2015. AAA says the statewide average has gone up two cents a gallon since yesterday. It's now 2.37. Patrick DeHaan is a senior petroleum analyst at GasBuddy.com. Oil inventories stand about 50 million barrels below 10-year. That's a whopping 10%, and that's what's propelling oil prices higher at about $59 a barrel. That trend will likely continue and could mean higher prices in the year ahead. While drivers will pay more for gas in 2018, Dion says they believe prices will stay below $3 a gallon. The average in Orlando right now, 231 And no one matched all the winning numbers in last night's Mega Millions lottery drawing. Jackpot's now $306 million. Next drawing for that game is Friday night. Meantime, the jackpot for tonight's Powerball, also pretty high. It's at $337 million. WFLA News Time now, 8.06. Read about this year's strongest retail season in several years, now resulting in $90 billion in returns. That story's at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. $90 billion in returns. Uh, that's it, huh? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Not much. That's wow. dropping the bucket, right? Wow. I always feel bad returning stuff after Christmas. For whom? 
I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you just feel guilty about it. You know, if it's my parents or something, and yeah, they put I mean, some thought into it, and, and I, I agree. I, I have that. Have that happens when it. I have to return something. I am also sort of loath to return gifts like that because I wonder what the retailers think of return all these returns. Because in one sense, yeah, it stinks that they would have to give money back, but I'm guessing a lot of people either buy something else with it or mm-hmm. it gets them to the store, so they might. While they're you know exchanging something, they might even buy more stuff. Right, and that's often what happens. And you know, if you don't get a gift receipt, then you end up just getting store credit in a lot of cases. So right. the store keeps that money. It just you get different merchandise. Very interesting, but that that's a huge number. It's kind of an angle I didn't think about when talking about right this retail. Season. And I guess that's how they figure out at the end of the season what the whole take was. Was right to factor in those returns. Right, very interesting. That's uh, Tom Alexander who's giving us the latest news at the top. And bottom of every hour, we have Mr. Michael Formasano, who is producing today, and Stephanie screening your calls at 407-916-5400. You can also text to 23680. So many headlines, so many news reports, so many pundits are giving their end-of-the-year opinion on the first year of Trump's presidency. I want your opinion and I want people on both sides of this issue to call. So you can call 407-916-5400 or text to 23680. I'll give you my opinion as well. We have Rowena's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WF. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. If you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, you are more than welcome to. Uh, just search Michael Yaffe. I will accept it. You can follow me on Twitter at the Beyond Reason R. Or you can like uh, my radio show's Facebook page. Just like the Beyond Reason Radio Facebook page. So um, here's a headline from uh, Rana McDaniel, who is uh, uh, writes for Fox News, writing in the opinion section. She's the RNC chairwoman. This is what she says about Trump's first year as president. She says it's uh, an histor- a historic success she says since president trump was elected democrats have done nothing but reject obstruct and resist kicking and screaming every step of the way yet that has not deterred our president in fact he has kept his eye on the prize prioritizing the very people who put him in office because of that he has had a a historically successful first year in office so that's one of the positive reviews on President Trump this first year. There's been some negative reviews. Michael, if you could get um, uh, the sound cut ready for me. Jeff Flake, he was on Meet the Press, and we all know he doesn't like Trump. But he was on the meet, he was on Meet the Press on Sunday, and he thinks the opposite. He thinks Trump's first year has been a total disaster. This is what he said. I do believe if the president is running for re-election, uh, if he continues on the path that he's on, that that's going to leave a huge swath of voters looking for something else. He's probably inviting a Republican challenge as well, uh, but certainly an independent challenge, yes. So he thinks, and he kind of saying he might run as an independent against Trump, he thinks that Trump's done so bad, somebody will run as an independent in 2020 against him, that if he continues on the same path. Now, Jeff Flake is not conservative enough for me, frankly, I kind of lost all respect for Jeff Flake when he, not that I had too much to begin with, but when he sent, uh, he basically sent an endorsement 
to Doug Jones against Roy Moore. I understand not voting for Roy Moore, but to say, oh, I'm going to send money to Doug Jones' opponent, a Democrat, a, pro, a pro-abortion Democrat, I mean, come on, that's not standing up for principle. But you have two opinions right there. One side saying Trump's been a huge success. Another side saying he's been a total failure. There's total, so many headlines I could give you, so many reports I could give you today of what people think of Trump's first year as president because we're coming up at the end of the year. I want your take, though. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. Give me your take on his first year. Do you think it's been a success? Has it been a surprise, maybe? Did you think, oh, man, it was going to be awful, and then you end up really liking it? Or did you think it's better than expected? Do you think it's worse than expected? Um, I would love your opinion. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. We're going to take calls. We've got some texts coming in as well. And I'll give you my take on this. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 W. So this is according to uh, Ronna McDaniel, who is writing in Fox News, talking about why Trump's presidency has been a success. She says the American economy is great again. The unemployment rate is down to a 17-year low of 4.1%. And the labor market has exceeded expectations by adding hundreds of thousands of new jobs. The gross domestic product is rising beyond expectations. Consumer confidence is at a 17-year high. Small businesses are growing and the stock market is soaring. So that's why she thinks Trump has been very successful his first year in office. But I want to take your calls on this and, and you can also text to 23680. Uh, let's go to uh, Emily in Altamont. And Emily, how are you? How are you? I'm pretty good. Awesome. So what's your take oh, on Trump's have- first year? Well, I'm going to give him an A+. Plus. Okay, why, why is that? Well, um, I, you know, the economy has not been this good. People is happy. I actually never heard so many people saying Merry Christmas. Um, and people is just happy. I, I work in a, in a building, and you can hear everybody is happy. Everybody is you know, it's it's like they're looking forward to something, and and they're looking forward to to more, and and that's what he's bringing. Um, I'm I'm I think he's definitely um, hitting it really really good. All right, Emily, I appreciate your call. gives gives him an A plus. We got um some people weighing in on the text line. One person says Trump has record success. Uh, another person says, in spite of congressional obstructionism, Trump got a good deal done, gets an A grade. Another person says, in spite of his awkward comments, I give Trump a solid A. And this person admits he was not a fan of Trump during the campaign. This is kind of where I am on Trump, and I'll explain more of that in a sec. If you've listened to me for a while, I was not a huge fan of Trump during the campaign either. I was a Cruz guy. I also liked Rand Paul. And when Trump got in, I wasn't sure he was going to be a conservative president. But in a lot of ways, I have been pleasantly surprised what he has done on policy. His temperament is another story. And I'll get to more of that in a second. Uh, One person says, though, I voted for Trump and I give him an F. Taxes are going up for many. Individual mandate penalty is going up. 
He hasn't brought our troops home. So uh, it's one person who doesn't like what Trump is doing. Let's take another call. Let's go to Ed in Claremont. Ed, what's your take on this? Well, I give uh, Trump a solid B, B plus. But since 91% of the news reported on Trump is negative from the mainstream media, it doesn't matter what uh, Trump can do. I mean, he, Trump could give the Gettysburg Address, and the Washington Post would have reported it, that president disappoints people with short speech. <laughs> as long as he has that letter R after his name, okay, he's going to be crucified. And it's going to be nonstop uh, in the negativity. I tell you what, even these holiday season, I got, you know, family members that were really, like, pro-Hillary and it, I tell you what, the tension in the household, the tension yeah. uh, in the country, it, it's it's so divided. And, uh, yeah, that's true. I just kept my mouth shut. My wife kicked me underneath the table to keep my mouth shut. I mean, that's how it is nowadays. It, and, it, you know, uh, it I is mean, amazing how news. divided we are. It, it, it is. And, and when you got, like I said, 90% of the news reporting him that he can't do anything, anything right, and it gets drilled and drilled into your head. I mean, as uh, President Clinton used to say, if you repeat it enough, it's not a lie. Right. And they believe it is gospel, you know. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see well, how the second year shakes out because I think he's getting his feet wet and has a handle. Like, okay, this is how things have to be done. Uh, let me do it this way because his actions definitely speak a lot better than any words out of the previous president's. And that's why I give him a solid B, B plus. All right, Ed, I appreciate your call. He, he kind of made a point that uh, I wanted to make here. Um, in, t- in talking about Trump, and I just said that I was not a big fan of his in the primary and in the campaign. I ended up voting for him. But I started thinking, you know, especially when I was on vacation, of what Trump has actually done. You know, people don't like Trump, but it's more about his temperament. It's more about what he says on Twitter. It's more about... You know, what he says in press conferences and stuff like that. And I agree. Some of the stuff he says on Twitter, it's like, man, really? Why? But when you look at his actual policies, there's not a lot I can complain about. And I kind of made a little list here. You know, he's cut regulations, uh, promised to cut 22 regulations for everyone created. He nominated uh, Gorsuch for Supreme Court. That was a big home run. He moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem in Israel. I love that. He's allowed the military to fight ISIS like they want to. You have people in the military praising him for what he's done there. And, I mean, just look at how we've totally changed the game against ISIS since Trump has been president. Uh, Recently passed the tax cut bill. I love that. He left the Paris Climate Agreement. I I agree. That was a smart move. That's just a, a whole other subject, but I totally agree that was a great move. He's been tough on illegal immigration. Illegal immigration has gone down just by his mere presence in office, just by his rhetoric. He got rid of the net neutrality rules. I agreed with that decision by the FCC. That was um, That's done in the Trump administration. He's been tough on North Korea, and he's had the help of Nikki Haley, who he made UN ambassador, and she's been great. Uh, he proposed a budget that cuts spending a lot. I liked his proposed budget. Now, presidential proposed budgets usually don't get passed because that's done through Congress, but it was good. He shows, he shows strong support for the military and our, and our law enforcement officers. So when it comes to a lot of his policies, I think they're mostly for the good. It's his usually 
the fact that he can't keep his mouth shut sometimes that causes him problems. Although some people like that about him, I think sometimes, especially when he gets in the personal attacks, that uh, it's like, man, if you just let your actions speak louder than your words, uh, you might be able to go farther. So we have Tom Alexander, who's in the studio with me, who's going to talk about the latest news, including that storm, the nasty winter storm that's expected to hit much of the country on New Year's Eve. It is 830 on Good Morning Orlando. All right, so Tom Alexander's filling in for Deb this week, and he's in the studio with me this morning. He's going to talk about what's going on in the news. Yeah. So how's it going? He's putting it succinctly, Michael. <laughs> yep, I mean, that is what you're going to do. So. That is exactly what I'm going to do. A brutal cold front is pounding the East Coast and the Midwest, and this intense winter weather is expected to continue through the rest of the week, even into New Year's Eve. Meteorologists say 48 million people were under a wind chill advisory last night. That's up from just from only 30 million earlier that day in New York City, where people are going to gather in Times Square to see the ball drop New Year's Eve. The temperature is expected to be around 12 degrees. So it's going to feel even colder than that because of the wind chill. Temperatures will likely dip even lower on New Year's Day. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. People in California will soon be able to drink wine and get a buzz without alcohol. Instead, the wine is made with marijuana. Some winemakers in Hermosa Beach are getting ready to roll out an alcohol-free white wine that's infused with pot. Rebel Coast Winery says it's developed a process for replacing the alcohol with THC, which is the active ingredient in marijuana that gets you high. And apparently it offers all the relaxing effects of traditional wine without the hangover. The marijuana wine is made from a Sonoma County Sauvignon Blanc, will cost about 60 bucks a bottle. So as alcohol and? No th- alcohol. No alcohol, just, just the THC. THC. Right. Gotcha. They replace the alcohol with THC. So huh. it'll only be sold in California right now, but they plan to start selling it in other states where marijuana is legal later in the year. Oh, all right. <laughs> I guess you can eat it, and now I guess you can drink it too. <laughs> Why it, not? It was inevitable. It sure was. The people at an airport in St. Louis had to be evacuated into sub-freezing temperatures because of a burnt bagel. What? Happened last night at St. Louis Lambert International Airport. Airport officials say somebody burned a bagel at a restaurant in Terminal 2, which of course set off the smoke detectors. According to travelers, 300 to 400 people in the terminal were evacuated into the 11-degree weather outside. No. They were no there thanks. they were out there for a little for less than 10 minutes apparently. When they were let back in, to make it even worse, they all had to go back through security. Oh, jeez. Oh, because gosh. of a burnt bagel. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's. I don't know which part is worse. <laughs> I think at least security was warm. I guess. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we said didn't have to look do at that it outside. That right. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> How terrible. And New Year's Eve is, of course, Sunday, and towns across the U.S. are going to ring in the new year by lowering oversized objects from the sides of buildings. Among the -the off-the-wall countdowns, Boise, Idaho is lowering a giant potato. Memphis, Tennessee is dropping a giant guitar from the Hard Rock Cafe. Of course, New York City has its famous ball that we watch on TV every year. And downtown Orlando even has its own. It drops the orange. Right. Yep. To mark the new year. Have you ever have you ever done that? Gone to see the orange drop? I haven't. I've Um, never I've never actually gone for that, but I've 
worked downtown on New Year's Eve, so I got to see it from my office oh, window. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So in a roundabout way, I've seen it, but not not as a spectator. Yeah, I, I've never I've never seen it. One one of these years, I got to do that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's certainly not as crowded as going to Times Square. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be 12 degrees. Yeah, in, that's in a safe bet. I think that's a really safe bet. I mean, you know, I can, I don't predict the weather, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right, you can get uh, these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. Third hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now. All right, and uh, right, and coming up in the next segment, we have the Sound Judgment Game, 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400 for your chance to win a great prize in Sound Judgment, another uh, Christmas movie question. I know Christmas is over, but I know a lot of you are watching Christmas movies this week. So another question about another Christmas movie. So you want to get on the line now, 407-916-5400. We have Sound Judgment Coming up next in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And it is time for some fun and games because we have the sound judgment game coming up where you have a chance to win a great prize. And Stephanie is going to tell you what you can win. What's the prize? That's right. So today we have an awesome pair of tickets to Monster Jam on Saturday, January 20th, 2018 at Camping World Stadium. Monster Jam is fun for the whole family and features some of the most recognizable trucks in the world, including Gravedigger, Max D, Monster Mutt, and more. Tickets start at $15. Visit realradio.com, keyword events, for more info. I love Monster Jam. I went once a couple years ago. I need to go back because it's it's always a lot of fun. So uh, if uh, the lines are full now, but if someone gets a wrong answer, get on the phone real quickly and call 407 916 Hundred. So another popular Christmas movie is uh, um, it's a favorite of a lot of people I know. The movie Elf. Oh my God. <laughs> Mike has just been wanting to play that little sound cut all day, and I did. So I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play actually a little bit of the trailer as well of the movie Elf, and then I want you to use your sound judgment to tell me what year. Did that movie come out? Here's a little bit of the trailer. New Line Cinema proudly presents a little holiday story. One Christmas Eve, Santa Claus got an unexpected gift of his own. (laughs) What in the name of Sam Hill? Thirty years later. Let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Buddy's discovering who he really is. You're not like the rest of us. I was sure when you cracked six feet that it would come up. My bad. You're not an elf. So the movie Elf, I want you to use your sound judgment and tell me what year did that movie come out? Let's go to a line four. Line four, what year did the movie Elf come out? 2018. Uh, Nope, that is incorrect and not even close. You weren't even trying. All right, let's go to line two. Line two, what year did that come out? Apex. Uh, I don't even know what that was. All right, let's go to line one. Line one, what year did that come out? 
2000. 2000, not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. A little bit after that. I was actually surprised when I looked this up today. I didn't realize when it came out. I don't want to give any more away. Let's go to uh, line four. Line four, what year did that come out? 2003. That is right. 2003. Are you a fan of that movie, or did you just look it up? Or My kids are. They saw it about two nights ago. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, it's become like kind of a cult Christmas classic. I don't know if it did as well when it first came out, but I was surprised it was 15 years ago when that movie came out. I could not believe that, and I also can't believe that Will Ferrell looks almost exactly like he did 15 years ago. It's it's kind of scary. All right, uh, congratulations on winning the prize. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from today? Renee from Orlando. Renee from Orlando. All right, I'll put you on hold, and Stephanie will talk to you about how to get those Monster Jam tickets, and congratulations. I was shocked, Mike, when I looked it up and it said that movie came out in 2003. I was too. I actually remember going to see that for the very first time. And after you said the year, I kind of thought, you know, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was 15 years ago. So I was like 16 years old when that movie came out. And I didn't realize it was that long ago. I watch it every single year. I know a lot of people that watch it like every year religiously. And I feel like when it first came out, it wasn't like a huge hit, but it's gotten more popular like as the years have gone by. It's typical Will Ferrell. I mean, you got to love the guy. And it's funny that you say he looks the same because didn't he do like an SNL bit once where he was born, but he was a grown man? Oh, really? I haven't seen that. Oh, but to me, like I look at him in in the Elf movie and I look at him in movies now. He looks the same. (laughs) Like he looks like. I don't know if he looked older back then or if he just looks younger now, but in 15 years to look almost like exactly the same, it's, it's weird. I don't know. It's weird to me. Just a little something I pointed out. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie, Mike? Of all time? Yes, of all time. Uh, well, we always watch at least, I could say we always watch the same ones. We watch Elf every year. We watch uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. And uh, the Santa Claus. Those are all great yep. movies. Yep. How about you? So, so Die Hard is not on your list. Die Hard. No. It's funny you should say that. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. How about Gremlins? Is that? No, not Gremlins. Uh, on your Sorry. no, no. Small Soldiers. All right. Now, you, now you're just <laughs> you're just trying too hard. I actually watched Gremlins last week, and it is kind of a Christmas movie. It's a throwback and for sure. It is ridiculous. That movie is dumb. But Die Hard, of course, is the best Christmas movie. Somebody was just telling me that they want to watch Die Hard before the end of the holidays, just because yeah. it seems like that's when you should watch Die exactly. Hard. Exactly. Well, that's what happens in the movie. Actually, another good one is uh, Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen that one. That one's hilarious. That's a good movie. I love that movie. That's another Christmas one you got to watch. All right. Um, we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Mike's just busy laughing at me in there. Okay, so... Um, ah. This little festive music for us. I know Christmas is over. How long 
like, what's the limit after Christmas when you just have to go cold turkey? After I New would Year's? say New Year's. New Year's, right? I would say New Year's. I mean, for me, it's like after Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say New Year's is the, the usual cutoff. I'll still throw in a Merry Christmas, you know, every now and then. Okay. Okay. I'm okay with that. Somebody came up to me yesterday and said, hey, happy uh, Merry After Christmas. Merry After, Merry after Christmas. First happy time I heard Merry that After Christmas. Okay. That's a, that's a new one. All right. So one, one thing that um, you might not think about that's really a big part of Christmas, and we all think about the gifts and the holiday cheer, but also food is a big part of Christmas. I mean, we all eat a lot, it seems like during the holidays now here in the United States. And I'm guessing you might be similar to this, Mike, you know, my family has the traditional Turkey dinner, Turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, all that stuff. But we found a list uh, from business insider that I found really interesting. And it talked about what people in other countries around the globe eat on Christmas. And I mean, there's 21 countries on the list. So we probably won't have time to go through them all. But some of them are pretty interesting. And Mike has the list in front of us. What, what do people around the world, outside of the United States, what do they eat on Christmas? I was actually surprised by this list because I have witnessed some of these traditions as far as food goes. And some of them I had no idea existed. Like in Germany, they have fruity st- stolen cake. What? St- stolen? It's like a... A cake no with idea. mold wine. With mold wine? That's what it says. What? And so that's what they eat on Christmas. That's their thing to eat on Christmas. It says that uh, it's traditionally baked to have a hump symbolizing the humps of the camels that carried the wise men to see Jesus. Oh, so there is a little bit of a connection there. Yeah. Interesting. What else you got? In Bulgaria. <laughs> you just wanted to say Bulgaria. I like did. That. I really did. <laughs> Uh, they eat stuffed vegetables, soups, and cakes. Now, that one I wasn't impressed by because I feel like you would eat that year-round in Bulgaria. It's cold there. Soup. I have no idea what they eat in Bulgaria year-round. Well, Maybe they just eat the same thing on Christmas and that. I think it's that. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. <laughs> Some of these other traditions are um, kind of like country-specific. Like I know um, in my family, at least on my Puerto Rican side, um, for every big event, you do like a roast pork, and on Christmas, that's a big event. You do a roast pork. I well, like that idea. I want to do that. Right? Or that like, sounds amazing. Like my dad's side of the family, big events, you make a lasagna. On Christmas, we have a lasagna. Well, in Fiji, they do a lovo. Now, a lovo is. is is similar in that that's something they do there for big events. A lovo is similar. Have you ever heard of a luau? That's the Hawaiian yes. version. Yes. Um, it's basically taking food like fish, chicken, pork. Wrapping it in banana leaves and then cooking it in the ground under hot coals. That actually sounds really good. It's awesome. I want to do that. I just want it's to delicious. do that anyway. Well, do, does it have to be on Christmas? Can we just do it? Like... I'll dig a hole outside right now if you <laughs> if you go buy know. the food. I, I think we need like a permit for that or something. But <laughs> what else you got? Have you ever heard the song "We Wish You a Merry Christmas"? Yes. Then you know what the second verse is. No. Bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what figgy pudding is. Well, I do now, but I had no idea years and years what figgy pudding was. Figgy pudding is uh, what they like to eat in the UK, and it's a pudding with brandy poured on top, and then you pour, you light it on fire. Interesting. Right? I, I did not 
know that the other one that I thought was really interesting is what they eat in Japan. Apparently, they go to KFC. Oh, now we're talking. I'll do that anytime. That's like their big thing to go to KFC. All right. I appreciate you joining the show and the show like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America. Catch you next time.